Have you ever lost something of value that was really, really important to you? I mean, something that really mattered to you and you couldn't find it? And then once you realized it, what'd you do? Well, you probably dropped everything you were doing and immediately went looking for it. And then do you remember when you found it? Do you remember the joy, the relief, and the happiness that you felt? I don't know, maybe it was your car keys or your wallet or a credit card or, well, even even a wedding ring. How many of you have ever lost a kid? (laughs) I can tell every one of you this. If you've never lost a child, here's why. You've probably never had one. (laughs) For all of you young parents and parents-to-be out there, here is a tip. Before your kid quits being a kid, you're going to lose that kid. I don't care if you have a full-time bodyguard and three FBI agents on his trail, you are going to lose that kid. Kids are like ninjas. They just have a way of disappearing right before your very eyes. (laughs) Let me tell you a story. There was once a young couple that lived in St. Louis, Missouri. They had a four-year-old that, well, let's call him Philip. And a two-year-old we will call Andrew, and a baby we will call Jonathan. The mother worked at a school, and the father was a pastor who took Mondays off to watch the children. One day, the four-year-old wandered away while the father was working in the garage and the two younger boys were sleeping. When the father discovered that Philip was missing, he just about had a heart attack. (laughs) He knew that his wife would kill him if he lost one of the children. So he immediately went to Philip's room. Philip wasn't there. So he went to the playroom. Philip wasn't there. He looked in the bedrooms where the other boys were sleeping. Philip wasn't there. Then he ran over to the neighbors to look. Philip wasn't there. Then he ran across the street to ask another neighbor to watch the sleeping children while the father searched for Philip. And then he called every neighbor he could think of who might be home to help look for Philip. And a search party went out, but the father still did not call his wife because he knew if she found out he had lost one of the children, she would kill him. (laughs) Well, after only a few minutes, one of the neighbors came back with Philip. He'd been in their backyard all the time, swinging on their swing, which he loved to do. The father almost started bawling his eyes out. He was so relieved and so happy and so joyful. His son had been found, and his wife would not have to kill him. (laughs) Of course, this is a modern retelling of a parable that Jesus told about losing something valuable. Now, if that's ever happened to you, or when it does, know this. You will have just seen the heart in the mind of God. When your child is lost, there's only one thing on the planet that could make you happy. Not fame, not fortune, not another Cubs World Series victory. The only thing that would have made you happy was for your lost son to be found. That word lost is a word that I want you to burn into your mind and brand onto your heart. If you want to understand the Bible, if you want to see the heart of God, 
If you want to know why the church exists, if you want to know why preaching and teaching and reaching every person we can is so important, it all revolves around the word lost. Now, as we study the parable before us today, it's really important to understand who Jesus was talking to and why he told this story. The key is found in the first two verses of Luke 15. It reads, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. You see, there were always two types of people around Jesus. There was the rebellious crowd and the religious crowd. There was what some would call today the the wrong crowd and the right crowd. The Pharisees considered themselves the right crowd, and it drove them nuts that Jesus hung around with the wrong crowd. You see, the Pharisees couldn't understand why someone who claimed to be the Son of God would hang around with sinful people. The reason why the Pharisees didn't understand why Jesus hung around with sinners is because they didn't see sinners the way God sees sinners, and they didn't see themselves as sinners either. They saw sinners as losers, but God sees sinners as lost. When you see a person far from God in the same way that you see a child who is lost, it'll totally change both your attitude and your priorities as a follower of Jesus toward those who are lost. So we're going to learn something today that goes against the grain of everything we've been taught by our parents. (laughs) Before I say this, I want you to know that I know that you've got to be careful in hanging around with the wrong kind of people. You have got to be spiritually mature enough to make sure you influence them rather than the other way around. So, where we have been told all of our lives, don't hang around with the wrong crowd, well, here's what we're going to learn today. Start hanging around with the wrong crowd. (laughs) You see, it's not the job of those who think they are the right crowd to look down on those they think are the wrong crowd. It is the job of the right crowd to look for the wrong crowd. Because truly, the only difference between the right crowd and the wrong crowd is this. The right crowd has been found by Jesus, while the wrong crowd is still lost. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? It's actually a rhetorical question that Jesus asks. He finally found something that everyone would agree on. The sinners, the tax collectors, the Pharisees, the disciples, everyone. You see, anyone knows that if a shepherd loses a sheep, that shepherd is going to go after that sheep. Because good shepherds don't care about some of the flock, or even most of the flock, They care about all the flock, and especially, most especially, the one sheep that gets lost. 
I mean, when Philip went missing, do you think I said to Sharon, hey, that's all right. We still have Andrew and John safe at home. So what if we lost one? (laughs) Do you think I would have said, hey, good news. Our grocery bill just went down by a third. No, I was frantic because my son, whom I loved, was lost. To everybody else in the community, one lost sheep wasn't a big deal. But it was a huge deal to that shepherd because it was his sheep. The point is, every person on this planet belongs to God. And lost people matter to God. And what matters to God, it should matter to us. Jesus gave up his life for that lost sinner, just as he gave up his life for you. Lost people matter. And so there should be consternation in this church. There should be consternation in your small group. There should be consternation in you individually that you live in neighborhoods and work in offices and do life together with people who are lost. Now, notice again what the shepherd does. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? He leaves the 99 sheep who are safe and goes and looks for the one sheep that has wandered off. The number one thing this church must always guard against is a tendency to focus inward and the tendency to focus on the 99 rather than the one. The tendency to focus on the nine coins we have in our pocket rather than the one coin that is lost. Hey, we love the 99, but they're safe in the fold. And we love all the members of this church, but our focus is on those outside who are lost. Why? Well, remember my story about Philip. You see, he didn't know he was lost. And what's more, he didn't care. Lost sheep don't know they're lost. And what's more, they don't care. Can I let you in on a little secret? Something that is lost does not find itself. Something that is lost is found. We really don't find God. God finds us. God finds us because he's always looking for us. He's always concentrating on us. He searches for us when we are lost or strayed and through his love brings us back to the fold. That's his focus. And that should be ours as a church as well. So I believe what Jesus was trying to teach us in this parable is that every one of us should always be trying to reach someone. And that's why we must begin to build relationships with with our lost neighbors, our business associates, our Little League baseball coaches, our school teachers. And in that process, build bridges between them and the Lord Jesus Christ. Our focus should be on the lost. As we go back to the parable, we see that the shepherd then does something that, to the crowd, would have left them scratching their heads and somewhat shocked. He threw a party. 
It says, and when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Now just imagine, the shepherd throws this big party, and all of his friends and neighbors, well, they all come out. And they had no idea what they're celebrating. Then when they all get there, before they sit down to eat and drink, he points to this one little bitty lamb, and he says, that sheep was lost, but now it is found. Hey, let's party. It's just one sheep. In those days, sheep were just property. Nothing more, nothing less. He had 99 other sheep. Losing one every now and then, well, it's just the cost of doing business. And how about the woman in the story? It's just a drachma, which is maybe one day's wage, about 18 cents in those days. I mean, celebrating a sheep was strange enough, but to celebrate a single coin is just plain weird. (laughs) As worthless as one sheep was, the coin was worth even less than the sheep. In fact, the party the woman threw cost more than the coin. So why does Jesus put all this in the story? He's teaching that lost people matter to God. And what matters to God should matter to us. And heaven is happy when lost people are found. Now the conclusion of both of these stories is a punch in the gut to these self-righteous Pharisees. Just so, I tell you, Jesus says, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Think about that. Every time one person repents, every time one person surrenders their life to Jesus Christ, every time one lost person is found, every time there's a baptism in the church, God says, it's party time. Can you just hear the angels up in heaven as they look at God? I mean, all of a sudden, God begins to shout and dance and to rejoice. He breaks out the food and the drink. And one angel says, hey, there he goes again. Somebody else just repented. Somebody else just got found by the church. Somebody else just got found by Jesus. Somebody else just returned to the flock. Nothing makes God sadder than people who are lost. And nothing makes God gladder than when lost people are found. So let me close by getting you to think seriously about two things. First of all, there are only two kinds of Christians in this world, only two. One, those who talk about the lost, and two, those who talk to the lost. My friends, if you want to make heaven happy, you're going to have to start using all that God has given you to talk to the lost. Now, that doesn't mean that we're all going to do it exactly the same way. But every one of you, just like me, has relationships even now with people who do not know the Lord. And we can all begin right now to do certain practical things such as these. You can list your neighbor by name and pray for that neighbor specifically. 
that the Holy Spirit would open their heart for you to share Jesus with them. Just look for opportunities to have a casual conversation with that neighbor just to build a relationship, to get to know them better. Take opportunities to invite your neighbor to come with you here to church, and we'll do all the heavy lifting to tell them all about Jesus. Look for opportunities where you personally could share your journey of how Jesus has changed your life. Look for opportunities to minister to your neighbor when grief or heartache comes into their life. Now, you may not think this is a big thing, but let me tell you why it is. Many years ago, Mother Teresa, who I'm sure you've all heard of, was once asked about the dying and starving people that she served in Calcutta, India. Mother Teresa, how do you possibly hope to feed all the hungry people who come to your mission? You know what she said? One mouth at a time. You know what makes heaven happy? When one sheep or just one coin or just one son is found. When just one sheep is rescued, when just one coin is restored, when just one son returns, it makes heaven rejoice. The good news is that we all can be a part of that. And so with God's help, I pray that we will be a part of that so that not only will heaven be happy, but so will we. May God grant that for Jesus' sake and for the sake of the kingdom and for all of those who are now lost but could be found.